In this day and age, it's not uncommon for companies, organizations, businesses to be bought and sold. So what do you need to know if your company does get bought? What are some of the scenarios and how can you deal with it? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from Sacramento, California, and I'm in the mobile How to Sell Show studios. And today's topic is we're going to talk about what to expect when private equity buys your company part two. Uh, Part one was episode number 159, and there's a ton of things that I went over uh, in what the organization does and what to expect, but I wanted to dig in even further and give you some very specific examples. And this is important for you to understand what's going to happen, how roles change, and what games could be played against you. And as as the game evolves, because there's a ton of people that are retiring. Uh, part of it is the economy as it sits right now. Part of it is there's just so much money in private equity sitting in family banks or sitting in equity funds that there are companies that are being bought up. And the natural progression is to start small. Start small, roll up some companies, which means combine them together. And then another private equity firm comes in and says, ah, you have uh, something that we want to buy, and then they take more companies and combine them together, and then you end up with this big giant conglomerate. And because of that, there are some leadership challenges that you have to understand. You know, there's only so much information in due diligence that a company can do, and then it's going to rely upon the employees, and then it's going to rely upon the management, and then it's going to rely upon the salespeople. So the new the new company will come in and what they do is they label people. And I'm going to give generic labels. They may say something different, but this is super important to you as a salesperson. Okay. And so the new executives will come in, they'll pick, they'll, they'll, they'll pick the brains of the key executives inside of the company being acquired. So we're going to have to give some labels to keep this from being super complicated. We're going to label Company A and Company B. Company A is the company you work for. Company B is the acquiring company. So Company A is the existing company. Company B comes in and says, who are the employees that are critical, needed, and then who is going to be on the hit list? And they rely upon the management. Now, uh, there are some really good managers, and there are some really bad managers that are really generic fake people that are not very good. And depending upon the type of people that you work with is where you're going to be slotted. You may be a critical employee, but you could be slotted on the hit list because you don't always say the popular thing. You don't always do the popular thing. And, you know, for me, this would be a problem that I have because I I tend to rebel against the rules. I tend to say things that are not popular. I tend to ask questions that nobody else wants to ask. And so I'm going to use me for an example. New executives come in from company B and they're like, who is critical? They might say, Scott, they say, well, who's needed? 
and then they might say Scott, or they could say, who is on the hit list? And people would point and go, that Scott Sylvan Bell guy, he's got to go. And you can be the very best at what you do. You could be the model employee. You could be the closer on the team, the guy or the girl that gets it all done. But if you take a look at it, and at the end of the day, you're at the mercy of two levels of management. Management from company A that you work for and management from company B that's buying and acquiring the company. And so what happens is company B is going to put new management in place not knowing all the lay of the land. They're going to have to take the, the word and the conversation from company A, the original company. And people are integrated and pushed into dynamics. And this really comes down to, it's a case of too many things at one time. The dust doesn't settle soon enough, changes are made. So changes are gonna happen quick. And so there is a lack of understanding a lot of times of how companies work. You know, it could be uh, questions about the demographics, the sales process, and you know, uh, private equity companies assume that they can come in and the, the switch could be flipped overnight. And what they don't see is that they're sabotaging what's going on. Salespeople jump ship, and then competitors come in and steal clients. The, you know, if, if this was me, and I was taking a look, and one of my, my competitors was acquired, I would, by all means, start targeting their clients. I, I would wear legal, do everything in my power to take clients away from the competition, because there is a, a moment of upheaval. There is a moment of uncertainty. And if you can put a wedge into some uncertainty about the people that are selling against you, you may have the opportunity to sneak in. And so what you have to understand is when companies go to sell, they can inflate their numbers in a couple of different ways. They can not pay vendors. They can, they can move numbers up. And I'm not saying any of these are illegal, okay? I'm saying that these are ways that games are played. So they may move people around inside of the organization to say, we have key people in different places than what they really do. We have, we have accounts. And based upon these accounts, here's what to expect. And when, when this happens, they, they inflate the numbers of the company. They inflate the roles. They inflate future events. And what they're doing is they're rebuilding the house before they sell it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go outside of sales for a second and use some of my previous experience of, of being in in-home sales, the last thing that I would wanna buy is a flipped house. Now, uh, what happens is uh, somebody who's an investor may come in and say, hey, I found this house on the cheap and the market's really moving right now and if I put in a little bit of money, I can flip this house and I'm gonna make a ton of money. And I will share with you about 99% of the time, people who flip houses don't care about quality. They don't care about what's going on all they care about is their multiple that they're going to get when they sell the house that they flip. So I have seen some disaster, disastrous construction. Well, the same thing happens when people flip companies. They're going to do what they can to get the best multiple before they skip out of town and you never see them again. So, you know, what happens is private equity firm comes in and they may just want part of the company. They may not want everything. So they could come in and divide organizations up and say, we're just after this product. We're just after the software. We're just after key people. There are companies out there that will acquire other companies just for key personnel, because it may be less to acquire key personnel than it is to go get them on the open market. And so 
sometimes what comes down is you spend more time on new systems than you do on selling. And one of the keys of this is constant meetings. Constant meetings, because you know people are trying to get the lay of the land, they're trying to figure out the who's who. And so with this being said, momentum becomes really funky. Momentum, you're like, before you had certainty, now there's uncertainty. So your momentum is just squashed. Clients are concerned. They're like, what's gonna happen to us? You know, we signed on the dotted line for this agreement and these reasons, and now you have somebody new, and yeah, they, they by law have to abide with what's going on, but are they gonna retire the programs? Are they gonna retire the processes? What's gonna happen from here? You may find that old resources for closing deals are no longer available. And it could be products, products, it could be services, it could be the people that you used to go to. Reporting becomes sideways. You're like, okay, who, who, do, I, who do I give my information to? And emails become absconded. So they go like, you're no longer with this company. You're with a new company. Here is all, all of the new rollouts. Here's the new address. And oh, by the way, we're going to try to give you access to your old, old emails, but you may not get them back. Computers are changed out. You know, they're like, hey, we don't allow for you to go on these websites anymore. We have new policies. They're all updated. The resources that you had may not be there. And resources are, is a huge topic. It could just be like papers and pens. It, it could go to as far as, you know, support desk and people that, that know about your products and your services. Pipelines become screwed up because now you're tangling with, with company A who had a product or service and company B is the bigger company now and their salespeople are a known quantity, you're not. Competing product lines battle. So if, if you're working for company A and you've got yellow widgets and company B has pink widgets, but because you're working for the new company, they're like, hey, you were trying to take you know this account that, that's sitting out there, but because we bought you, you got to give up your status and, and our salespeople are going to take the account that you were going to close on. These are all things that happen. The, the problem is you're gonna have competing product lines that are gonna battle and you're gonna have to have a, long, a line drawn in the sand and choose which one is it gonna be. Now, remember when I shared with you, management is gonna have to defend one side or another and they may have labeled salespeople as needed, critical, or on the hit list. They also have that hit list against them. So they're now expected to perform at a level. So there are a lot of things that happen with the company being bought. And the, the smaller company is gonna keep the same player and the executives to keep the division in place for a certain amount of time because they need the stability. But truth be told, what they want is they wanna cut the fat. They wanna cut anything that's a liability. And then what will happen is you have two different mentalities of what's going on. So you have two different views. If, if the company A that you work for is a $10 million company and you have company B, which is a $500 million company, you have competing views about how business should operate. So it creates a rift. It creates a conflict inside of the management team. So with that being said, I want to give you a few different scenarios of games that could be played against you and then that way you can figure out what you could do in the future or you could say, hey, you know what? As this is going down, I see the games that are being played against me. So let me give you scenario one. The company that just bought and acquired you, so you work for company A, company B comes in and acquires you and says, hey, we want to give you 
a new role. We want to give you a new title. We want to give you a new job. So you quit your job and you're like, all right, well, I will contact HR and let them know that I am going to accept this position and you quit your role. And at the last second, company B goes, oh, hey, sales guy. Hey, sales girl. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you, we canceled that new role inside of the organization. So we're just going to accept your resignation. Now, yes, this may be illegal in some locations. And yes, you may look and go, that's pretty shady, but it happens. So, you know, if this is you and please understand, I am not an attorney. I am not an accountant. These are just examples and I'm not giving you advice on what to do because you would have to talk to a qualified person. I am qualified to talk about sales. I'm qualified to talk about tacos. I'm qualified to talk about Hawaii in the aspect of being somebody who's, you know, an expert at it. But I understand I'm not giving you legal advice. All right. I want to, I want to put that out there right away. So it may be a good idea for you to hold back of starting the new role before you quit the old one. Scenario number two. You work for company A, you see all the holes in the processes, you see the problems that they face. So company B comes in and they, they offer you this new role. They say, hey, we want to put you in this new position. And they come to you and they say, hey, before you get started and before you take this new role, what we want to do is we want to gather some intel from you. And we want to know how you would fix all these problems. So then you answer the questions and then guess what? That job never materializes. They were just there to acquire information from you. And part of that, guys, was we have a new role for you. So what do you do? Well, I mean, part of this is, hey, you know, uh, you're asking me for consulting at this point. You're asking me to step outside the bounds of my role and what I'm supposed to do. And now you're asking me for consulting. You know, you, you may have some legal obligations. You may not check with an attorney. So scenario three, you get called to the carpet from the manager because there's a fake pipeline. And that fake pipeline was built before the company was sold. Because remember, when you flip a house, you make everything good, good, look good. When you flip a business, you do the same thing. And so when companies sell, sometimes they're going to overinflate their pipeline numbers. They're going to say, hey, this is a territory that we have, or these are some things that we have going on. And at the end of the day, it's not real. You know, they, they, were flip, they were fixing the business to flip it. That's all that it comes down to. And the new managers, they don't care because they're being held to those numbers, even though they're fake. Scenario number four, territory changes. Salespeople that you're up against will say, hey, I know that I'm going to this new territory. And I, I know that... Uh, in this region, in this area, or the place where I work that's being taken away from me, that there is a group of people that I want to work with. There are uh, companies that I want to do business with. There are uh, entities that I am going to engage with. So what they do is, before the change happens, is they send out some emails, they make some rudimentary contacts, and then all of a sudden, because you are the brand new salesperson, you can't contact them because technically they are in the pipeline of the legacy salesperson from, you know, company B that just acquired your company. Scenario number five, territory changes with protection. You know, the, the competing company that just bought you may already have some of the clients that you've been working on. 
And so now what was a conversation that you were able to have is a no-go situation and you're not allowed to do it. Scenario number six, the new company starves out the pipeline. They stop marketing for whatever project, product, service, widget, or gizmo that, that you used to offer. And so the company that you used to work for, company A, had a marketing budget. Company B is like, well, we really don't need these salespeople anymore because, well, that product's inferior or we've already pulled all the high-level information from them, so we don't have to do anything with them. So what we're just gonna do is, we've acquired these salespeople, we're just gonna starve them out. And this happens more than you know. And the sad thing is, is there may be, you may be a really good, fantastic closer. You may be one of the best salespeople, but at the end of the day, they're like, well, we're overstocked. So instead of letting you go, they're like, well, we'll just let them acquire as many deals as they can and then let them go at the end of the quarter, at the end of the semi-annual part of the year, or just at the end of the year, depending upon when the company gets bought. Scenario number seven. I'm gonna borrow a Star Trek term that I absolutely love in the business world, and that is the Kobayashi Maru. And that's where you have no way to win. You are, your, your abilities, your skills, your talents, everything that you have doesn't matter at this point. Uh, you you are in a position that no matter what happens, you're not going to win. They they uh, they specifically put you in a way that you can't get anything done, so that you walk away and that you quit, or that they take away your high level uh, skills and abilities or your high level knowledge, and then they're like, "All right, peace out, Girl Scout. We just made it really rough for you, but we got all the data and the information that you need." It could be scenario eight, that a top salesperson who's honed their skills, their talents, their capabilities for a long time uh, are forced out just because of toxic management and toxic people. That, you know, when you take a look, there are some people out there that have some very good knowledge about whatever product or service that you sell. And they are the go-to person in your office. They are the go-to person in your organization. And for whatever reason, they're targeted, they're asked to leave. You no longer have the support staff that you need. Could be scenario number nine, where you're giving a bad territory. You had a good territory to begin with. You had a good region to work with. You had a good list of, of companies to work with. And since you're odd man out or odd woman out because of new management, because of new ownership, they're hey, we're going to give you these areas. And if you've been in industry long enough, you know which are the golden areas and which ones are not. Now, you are a closer and I can tell because you're listening to this episode of the How to Sell show and I know and I know you have skills, talents and capabilities just based upon that alone. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, the territory that you have and you may be the best salesperson is a no not a winning proposition. You're given the the area that isn't going to work. You're given the area that's going to cut your income in a quarter, a half, a third, an eighth. You know, they they just want to see either A, what you're made of, or B, they're like, they don't care and they're going to push you out. Scenario number 10. This is something to be aware of, of what companies do. They'll come in and they'll say, hey, we're going to update our CRM, our information gathering, uh, where we put stuff. And most top salespeople that I know that do enterprise level type sales and, and do their work have two sets of books. Right? They got the information that they give their company, and then they got their information that they they hold uh, tight to the vest or tight to the chest, whatever way you want to say that. And the reason for that is, is because that's your contact list. 
And if you've been in industry long enough, a service long enough, you may have your list of personal contacts, but you may not necessarily want to give that to the office or to the company because now they have your blueprint. And so what will happen is they'll come in and they'll say, hey, we want you to log everything into Oracle or Salesforce or whatever product that you use before you go. And the reason for that is, is one, they want to keep track of you and manage you, or two, they want your contacts or your people before they ask you to leave. And scenario number 11 is very similar to a topic that we've already talked about, but not exactly the same. So scenario the three was they call and they, they gather all the intel from you. Uh, scenario number 11 is like a, a fake trophy. They say, hey, we know that there's a plan that needs to be put in place and you have the keys to it. But uh, when you give us that, we'll bring you up and we'll put you up for, you know, a new role. We'll put you up for an award. We'll put you up for a bonus. We'll put you up for, I don't know, whatever's diabolical that they don't plan to do. Because... I hate to sound cynical, but some of this really comes down to what you're up against and it may not ever happen, but at least you're prepared. Scenario number 12, the company you now work for is asking you to train new people. So in essence, you are training your replacement. In essence, you are giving up the goods because they don't want your services anymore. They either have an employee in mind that they've already had working with them or they're looking to hire somebody at a lesser level. They're looking to uh, give less money for what you have to offer. And there's times where you can train and there's times where you don't. Now, I've got a friend that worked for a company and the company said, hey, you know, we're brand new. We want you to come in and train some employees. So he went to HR and in the state that he's in, He's like, this isn't in my job description. It's not part of what I'm supposed to do. If you guys want me to train, you're going to have to pay me. And the new company says, we're not going to pay you. We want you to train. You're good at what you do. And the salesperson said, I'm not doing it. You can't force me to do it. HR, HR looked at my, my information and I'm not going to do it. I'm just, it's not anything that's, that I, I want to do or that I'm going to do. Scenario number 13, the pay gaps. So your company, company A, has one way to pay you. It could be that you have a set amount that you're given every month and it's a draw against your production. And company B comes in and they have a different way to pay. And they have a different guide on what they do. So it may be that you have to justify how you're going to get paid based upon the new organization. Now pay is an interesting conversation to have because it ties into promises made before. It could be about your bonuses. It could be about your vacation time. But chances are good, your pay is going to change. Now, sometimes it's pay, it's made for the better. Sometimes it works to your favor. But sometimes the companies come in and they're like, we're streamlining things and you're overpaid, you're overcompensated, and you have to jump through all these hoops now to get the money that you used to make. So I've given you 13 different scenarios and a whole bunch of different things that can happen when your company is bought out by private equity. And so you may be asking, Scott, what is it that I can do? Well, you know, one of the greatest things that you can do is have relationships across a wide spectrum of industries and different people. I got the opportunity last week to interview Jay Abraham, legendary businessman, legendary marketer. And uh, I asked him specifically about relationships and he said, Scott, 
you know, here's the thing. You need to build as many relationships as you can because you don't know when you're going to need them. Now, that's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing it for you. You know, you keep an an up-to-date resume. You keep your information, contact, and what you have going on uh, correct. Now, some of this is going to be around social media. Some of it's going to be around contact information. So maybe you create your own blog, your own YouTube channel, your own podcast, your own Instagram, so that you can be social media famous in your niche. You don't have to have a million followers. You don't have to have a billion views. It could be that you are known in your industry for what you do. So the the social media that you have and the, the blog that you have is a way for people to find you. You know, it's a way for people to know who you are. It could be yourname.com. So like I own scottsilvenbell.com. Right? There's a reason for it because one, it's my name. And two, if somebody really wants to find me and they're like, hey, Scott, I haven't heard from you or seen from you in a while, they can at least locate me. And that may, depending upon the way that your company policy is, may be a good idea for your vendors to know that you have this type of information. Now, with that being said, you have your own content, you have your own strategy, but I want you to really think about something important. If you're being interviewed, you're an expert. And if you're interviewing an expert, it means that you have enough juice in your industry to get that person on your show. And so a good place to start is the vendors that you work with where you can And where you have the capability is to start interviewing people and having a stockpile of content. Now, I do want to give you a warning on this last section here. And it is this, that when you look for red flags, you're going to find them. And when you look for green flags, you're going to find them. Which means if you are only looking for the negative, only the negative is going to show through. And so you do have to keep an eye out for the games that are being played. And so what I'm asking you to do is be aware of circumstances, be aware of what's going on. I'm asking you to not be naive and say everything's going to be okay. Now, on the other hand, I'm not asking you to freak out. I'm just saying here are some issues that happen. Your company, company A, may be bought out by company B, and it actually is a better place to work. That The ownership group is a better ownership group, uh, that things actually work to your favor. I don't want to come across as only negative and saying, hey, the sky is falling. I want you to know that there are things that happen out there that do have impact against you when one company buys another. And so what you want to have is a go, no-go conversation with yourself, meaning at what circumstances or what mile markers do I stay and under what circumstances do I go? And any time that there's a reorganization of a company, a purchase of a company, there are rewards in place to keep employees for as long as you can, a retention period. There is a retention period that all buyers want to have. And so be aware with this that sometimes management that you are friendly with is being fed information so that retention stays in place. And so so if this is happening to you, be aware that you're not the first person who's gone through a company being bought out by another company or a private equity firm or anything that's going on out there. But you do want to know, hey, at the end of the day, am I going to stick around or am I going to go? And that's entirely up to you. And when you take a look at it, there are options, there are opportunities. But one of the things that happens is anytime that you leave a company 
and you've been there for an extended period of time, or you've put a lot of time, effort, energy, or risk into something, you have the ability of feeling like you are rejected. You have the ability to feel like you're missing out. And part of this rejection comes with grief. And I want to give you fair warning. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just you have the feeling of regret. You have the feeling of rejection that comes in when somebody comes in and buys a firm or changes the rules because you had stability. And then the stability got pulled out from underneath you. The stability was what you were expecting. And now you have uncertainty. And if this happens to you, I encourage you to find some help. Find somebody to talk to. It's tough to live through. It's tough to have your dreams squashed. It's tough to know that, hey, I put in a whole bunch of time, effort, and energy into this, and I put risk into it, and my, my livelihood, my commissions, my bonus structure, and even my relationships. And I put myself out on the line, and now I'm getting the smackdown. Now I'm having problems with the new ownership, and they don't seem to care. The only thing they care about is the bottom line. The only thing that they care about is their multiple. The only thing that they care about is their price per earning ratio, whatever way they take a look at it. And so there are emotional feelings that go with this. It's not normal to not have these feelings. It's not normal to go, all right, well, new company came in, bought up. I've been here forever. Time for me to go. I got to go. I got to go find a new job. No, you've, you've got time, effort, energy, risk, money, and reputation on the line. You've got all these things wrapped up and... There is the possibility for you to feel a loss. There is the possibility for you to have grief. And grief is a really weird thing. And I did not understand this until I lost my dad. You know, there were times where I was driving down the road right near my dad's death and I'd be happy one minute. I would be sad the next and I would be devastated a couple of minutes later. And uh, I encourage you, if, if this is something that you're going through, get some help. Talk to somebody. These are all normal things that you live through when a company gets bought out. These are all normal things that you live through when you're let go. These are all normal feelings you have when you feel like you've lost something. And I just encourage you, keep going. You know, put the work in, find a new job, find a new role, keep your, your contact information up to date and go out there and close some more deals. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.